Welcome to a new episode of the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. The new the voice new of voice success. success. We all want to feel successful and fulfilled in our lives, but that can be a bumpy road. Through the experiences, journeys and advice of our guests here on Big Idea Big Moves, we will help you get a jump start on experiencing and cultivating whole life success. Be ready to take notes. Every episode has action items that you can apply to your own life right away. Okay, let's get this started. I will now pass you over to the host of Big Idea Big Moves, Jamie Allison. Hi again, everybody. This is Jamie Allison, and this is the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. It's the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different fields, just people doing really cool things in their space. So we often talk to athletes. We sometimes talk to CEOs, entrepreneurs, just people that are doing really cool things that people can take bits and pieces of of what they're doing and and some of their tips and tricks and be able to hopefully utilize some of those in your own lives. So um, I know we have one of those today. Really excited about it. Just before we jump into that, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we have a relationship with Epitome Sportswear, and you know that they have kind of a a similar way of looking at things that we do, of that whole life success kind of um, focus. Um, So it might be that uh, um, you might be doing your your workouts at the gym. Uh, It'd be great for that, but it's also if you're taking a kid to uh, their soccer practice, it's also comfortable clothing from that perspective as well. The one thing that we really like as well is that they believe in giving back to the community they serve um, and they're working to impact the inequities in opportunity for girls and women in sport and for that reason a portion of their profits go directly to organizations and initiatives that support girls in sports so really cool there Um, take a look at our Instagram bio I know that there's a connection right through there and I think uh, our audience gets uh, 20% off um, uh, as well Um, or you can just go directly to uh, epitomesportswear.com that's e-p-i-t-o-m-e sportswear.com and today really excited um, that uh, we're featuring Paige Mills today and she's also known and probably more even known across her social media channels as Biker Biddy. Um, she's a nurse in Australia, she's also a decorated power lifter um, and she's now recently changed her focus to triathlons and some of those multi-sport uh, events um, but she's also an entrepreneur um, and provides strength and nutrition training as well. So lots of things on your plate Paige and, and we were talking just before we came on here it's uh, it's just getting used to the that it's it's nighttime when I'm talking to you and it's daytime just uh, the <laughs> next day uh, there. So first of all, thank you for uh, making this work for us and and joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, uh, um, one of the first things that I, I want to talk about because you've you've um, you obviously made your name in the fitness community by lifting a lot of weight, and and people kind of have known you for that. Um, but lately, you've also been doing some other things where um, you know doing kind of Ironman style triathlons, that kind of thing. Um, why the shift in the last little while? Yeah, <clears throat> so it's a very long, boring story, and injuries are the most boring topic in the world to me. So I'll cut it very short. But basically, yeah. I had a disc that needed a partial removal. And mm-hmm. after I had that surgery, my surgeon said that you should get into aerobic exercise before you start lifting. And I was like, Ugh, I hate any sort of <laughs> traditional cardio. And yeah. he said, oh, you should really be swimming. Can you swim? And I said, no, I've never swam a lap. Um, and he really wanted me to do that. So I thought, you know what, if I swam for a while, then I could bike pretty soon after that. And then I'd be able to run soon after that. 
there's a spot for that. If I sign up for something for a triathlon, that'll keep me accountable and I'll actually, you know, go and do the training. I'm not super intrinsically motivated when it comes to sports. I sort of need to be training for something. Um, I like to have a deadline. So, yeah, I just started swim, bike, run and said that I was just going to do that one triathlon while I heal. And now I'm training for a full distance Ironman. Oh, well, that's, that's awesome. So what has been, um, I mean, that's a a pretty big transition in most people's minds, especially to go Mm -hmm. to that type of distance and and things as well. What's been the biggest um, uh, or the most difficult uh, thing for you in in transitioning into something like that? Um, I think going from like powerlifting is hard work, but it's hard work for four to five, maybe six hours a week. Right now I'm training 13 hours a week and that could go up to 18 if I'm recovering okay when that comes around. Um, But I think the hardest thing was within a session, if you're doing a really heavy squat session, you just need to work yourself up to work really hard for like maybe a total of eight really difficult reps and then you're resting in between. And I think it's a lot easier to grind through those reps when you know you can sit around on your phone for 10 minutes afterwards if you want to. Um, But then when I started running in particular, that I wanted to stop every step, if that makes sense. Like yep. it, it was hard for a solid 20 minutes or an hour or whatever. And I just, it was really hard for me to maintain low intensity, but constant intensity for such long periods of time. And, and when people, um, even people that do that all the time, and that's been their focus for a long time, um, I'm sure they hit that part where you have to kind of get your head beyond it. Is that something that you've really, um, have you had to spend time with that uh, about kind of, you know, when, when my body starts to get tired because of the length of time that I have to be able to do something from a mental performance standpoint? Yeah, I think, um, look, I think people overstate how mental the sport is. You do have to be also physically fit. Um, But definitely with the swimming, I think you're either comfortable in the water or you're not. And it's very hard to train. If you're not, it's very hard to train yourself to be comfortable. I think I'm getting there. It's a slow process. But I, I noticed that I was stopping at the end of each pool and I was sort of telling people I can't swim more than 25 metres or 50 metres. Um, and then I went out in the ocean where you can't stop and yeah. I realised I actually can. I'm just taking the end of the pool as an invitation to stop, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. So, yeah. yeah, so I actually stopped. I was, uh, we have like a, oh, it's quite hard to explain, but like an enclosed shark-proof area where I live in the bay. And um, so it's open water and it's 150 meters across. And I was stopping at the ladder exhausted. And I was like, gosh, I couldn't, I couldn't keep going. So I stopped touching the ladder and I started just turning around on the spot and I could just keep going and going and going. Oh, it's, it's funny. It's just, yeah, it's a trigger almost that, oh, it's okay. Here's my ability to stop. That's uh, yeah. But then I think that, um, so I'm supplementing my triathlon with um, CrossFit Mm -hmm. and now learning that intensity is different again because yeah. that's like redlining. Like I've gotten to the point where I'm motivated enough to run for two and a half hours at the same speed or ride the bike for four and a half hours and I'm like not slacking off there. But yeah. then to do a 15-minute workout in CrossFit where you're pushing yourself really, really, really hard is a different type of motivation again. So yeah. I need to sort of learn that mental strength as well. It's interesting. I know that you do a lot of um, a lot of your content uh, features uh, James Newbery, and and you do, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and I know I, I believe that um, you know there's that connection between moving sports, and and so I, I talked very similar to that. I talked to Tia Toomey and asked her the difference between when you switch from even CrossFit to um, bobsled and kind of that mm-hmm. piece as well, and how they're they're very different, not just different muscles. It's having to get used to an even different intensity of doing everything 
everything within seconds, like short seconds. And, yeah. and it is interesting how you go from one to the other, how you have to really not just change your body, but change kind of your approach to everything as well. And there's a new skill acquisition aspect as well, which is which yeah. holds you back as well from the intensity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the things, um, you know, I know going back a little bit is that you've been pretty open about the fact that um, you've kind of first hit the gym and stuff about you know you had you had an eating disorder I think at at one point and that was part of just getting back to things after that was hitting the gym did you find that like was that um something that that you found did it did it work for you kind of jumping into the gym and and is that why kind of you you kind of went all in how how did that work after that yeah I was sort of lucky in a way as lucky as you can be with an eating disorder but I got really sick really 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 quickly yeah. And I sort of have a theory that the habits didn't have a chance to really instill themselves in me. So I kind of got better just as quickly um, as I got sick. And the other thing, yeah. if you get sick so quickly in something that's visibly apparent is that people force you into help as well. So yeah. I think if I just slowly gotten, you know, if I just been lean my whole life and had this problem my whole life, then no one would have, it wouldn't have been flagged, but I lost like 10 kilos in like seven weeks or something oh, and wow. I was only I think I was only 60 kilos to start with so yeah. it was a rapid weight loss so I was in a locked psychiatric hospital um, for some time um, I got out and pretty soon after I got out I got better and by the time I was hitting the gym after that I, I didn't really have any symptoms maybe a little bit of binge eating um, yeah. but I didn't and I was just kind of battling with that a little bit but it didn't feel a lot worse than the average person who had an extra bag of chips they didn't want to have today, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I was pretty lucky. I was pretty unaffected by it. Um, and I feel like whenever I say like, oh, I have no symptoms of that eating disorder anymore. I feel like people just don't believe me. They're like, oh, that's with you for life. That's with you for life. But I honestly feel like 2015 was the last time I sort of felt like I had disordered thinking. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's a gray area too. Like um, if I'm leaner when I'm racing, and then I put on a bit of weight in like an off season is mm-hmm. missing my abs disordered thinking. Like, I don't think it is. I think it's okay to just like the way that you look better when you're leaner. Right. Um, right. Well, yeah. and, and then when, when you, because you went pretty um, all into the gym after some of that, and that's when you really got into, I think some of the heavy powerlifting stuff was that mm-hmm. um, uh, did, did you find, was that something that, that helped you kind of move on quickly from that standpoint or like is is yeah. because obviously you're you're doing things for your body after that anyway that um you know it gives normal feelings about yeah if I'm out of shape I don't feel great and that's I think everybody feels that way yeah yeah no I think for sure that if ever the thoughts of like gee I'd love to be super super skinny if ever those thoughts come back I think yeah. they're um, overpowered by a desire to perform well in a sport. I think the yeah. fact that I'm in a, I've always been in performance sports and not in, you know, bodybuilding where your performance doesn't matter. Um, right. You know, you, you can train hungry for weeks and weeks and weeks and probably have better results, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I think that the desire for performance has really over many years, maybe been my saving grace. Yeah. 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 Because it's not aesthetics. It's more about, you have to fuel your body regardless, or you won't be able to get the results you need. So, um, so, uh, you know, one of the other things is that um, not everyone can move, you know, you've talked about moving into different sports that are are quite different. Um, Not everybody can do that. Um, You know, where do you, where does that ability come from? I mean, have you, have you always been athletic? Uh, Is that something that you just, you know, do you find it easy to, to kind of pick up other sports and, and do well in them? 
I don't think I don't think I'm made up of anything that anyone else isn't. I think that I started at the bottom of a sport and it showed. I think it took me, it might have taken me 50 to 100 runs to be able to run 10 kilometers unbroken. And even then it was a shuffle. It wasn't, yeah. I don't think that I'm, I don't think that I'm athletically gifted. I think maybe I'm pretty coordinated. Like as a kid at school, if we did a really niche sport like softball or rock climbing or something, I think I'd be really good for someone who's never done it before. Um, But in terms of like cardiovascular fitness, no, I think that I have friends who are so much fitter than me that haven't been doing it for as long, triathlon for as long. I think I just have the confidence to overshoot. I'll sign up for a race that I know I'm not capable of thinking, (laughs) oh, by the time it comes around, I'll be able to do it. Right. So I I think it's more just that I jump in the deep end. And I think, you know, if you listen to this podcast and you know that I'm, I'm training for a full distance Ironman, you might think, wow, I couldn't do that. So she must be a lot fitter than me. And if you look at my paces and things, you're probably fitter than me like I'm a beginner at this stuff yeah. I just like to bite off more than I can chew and then chew like crazy where, where does that come from because that's I mean obviously you've done a lot of things that um, you have to be comfortable with risk taking um, because even you know you've done businesses you've done all those things um, where does that come from yourself like is that is that innate in you or is it something that you've kind of just grown up and and realized that that's uh, um, something that you want to be able to do to to do the things you want in life I think I just enjoy being under pressure. Um, I I work in the emergency department as a nurse and I've chosen that area because uh, I just enjoy the stress, I guess. But yeah, Yeah. I like the, I like the pressure of, um, I like the pressure of having a deadline and things being tight and being like, if I miss a session, like that could be the thing that, you know, holds me back on the day. But I do it in business too. Sometimes um, like every five years, I'll um, like hide all my money from myself. I'll put it all into like a properties or something. And then I'll start again from zero and I'll have to live like week to week again. And like, wait until I pay myself until I can pay bills and things like that and I just find that when I do that I just work so much harder because I'm like shit I've got no money for next week like yeah yeah um, well that's it's almost a forcing mechanism it makes you kind of think like a like a bootstrapping entrepreneur instead right yeah and I did that when I was young so um, in Australia, you can't work, um, get a legal job until you're 14 and nine months. So yeah. I always had my own businesses before then. So when I was 11, I had two people working for me <laughs> and I was off the tools. So I was making passive income from two of my <laughs> school friends when I was 11 because I couldn't, I couldn't get a legal job. So I had to be creative about how I was going to make my money. Wow. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Um, it, you know, when when you're like that, that you like taking risk, but you also um, like, I, I mean, I'll, you gave the example of being in an emergency department. I think a lot of people don't realize that even being a nurse, there are different types of, of nurses that way, as in like people that thrive in that environment and some don't. Um, yeah. Is that, um, you know, when you went into nursing, is that something you automatically gravitated towards or did you kind of try different things and and oh okay this is maybe where I'm supposed to be like did you always know you wanted to be in that kind of crisis nurse type of um, area um sort of to be honest I kind of got my nursing degree because having a tertiary education was on my bucket list and it would make me feel a sense of self-actualization and accomplishment um and it was also kind of a bit of a backup because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I thought you know well then I'll just pick the safest degree that I can possibly pick that I could also do part-time if I wanted to so I wouldn't be tied to a full-time job so it was more I don't feel like nursing was like a really strong calling for me like it is for some nurses Mm -hmm. um and I've always I've envied that a little bit but 
um, it was more of a practical decision for me, but I knew that I wanted to be somewhere super acute, like in emergency. I just find it to be a bit more upbeat, a bit more energetic, and I've just got so much energy to burn yeah, <laughs> as well. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, and that is interesting that you you use that as a way to be able to do the things you want to do in, in entrepreneurship. And, um, you know, maybe one of the things to talk about a little bit is that um, you have have had multiple businesses, done different things. You have a, a gym. I don't know if you still have the gym that was in, um, that is in a shipping container. Is that still yeah, kind of how yeah. that works? I, I mean, tell us a little bit about that and how that kind of, because that's a little unique, I think, in how you approach that as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is going to be the first time I've actually been super transparent about how the gym initially came about and why I did it. But basically, I was offered the equipment as a sponsorship Mm -hmm. first. And I was like, oh, it's so much equipment. I can't say no to this. It was like heavily specialized, very reputable powerlifting equipment. And I was like, I can't say no to this equipment, but I also don't need like gym equipment. And I own my home. It's a single car garage. And I was like, oh, I don't really have anywhere to put it. (laughs) And then I thought, you know what? Powerlifting only takes up, like squat bench and deadlift, you can do in a two meter square. So yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I could. And then I thought I could put them in a shipping container and kit it out as a gym. So I did. And um, I rented a commercial space. I just went door knocking to try and find somewhere to put it. And I rented, like, I guess, a space that it was on on a three year lease. And then um, during COVID, the value of um, gym equipment went way up and the value of shipping yeah. containers went way up. So I thought, well, I bought low, I'll sell high. So I sold yeah. it just recently. Yeah. Um, but it sold so well that now I'm renovating another shipping container into an Airbnb. <laughs> really? That's Yeah. That, well, and that's the thing. It seems like you're you're quite good at um, um, at doing that startup phase and knowing kind of, you know, when to roll through certain things. And a lot of people don't have that entrepreneurial mindset. So that that is something that's pretty strong for you. Have you, uh, I mean, you mentioned that you've, you've always kind of enjoyed doing that type of thing. Is there, like, how do you, how do you learn how to do it? Because some people, um, you know, you, you have the entrepreneurial understanding, but um, if you're going to um, jump into something you haven't really done before, how do you, like, do you look for mentors? Do you research? How do you, how do you start to figure out the information you need to do something like that? I think it's all confidence. That's all it is. I don't have a super... I don't have a really in-depth business knowledge, um, but I just take everything one step at a time. So, for example, in lockdown, my gym closed. We didn't know if we were going to get any government support for the fact that I wasn't allowed to trade anymore. Um, And I kind of went into a panic and I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do here? And the online coaching went down as well because people couldn't access their gyms. They don't want to pay for programming. Um, So I was like, oh, what am I going to do here? So I got about four messages in a week asking if I knew of any gym equipment for sale. And I was like, all right, people want gym equipment, let's manufacture it. So I rang like four different, um, what do you call the trade? Like welders, right? Like yeah, people yeah. who weld. Yeah. Um, and boilermakers. I rang like four different boilermakers right. and I sent them photos of like a basic bench and a basic squat stand. And I said, how much for you to make these? And they gave me a quote. And that day by lunchtime, I was in there stapling bench pads myself <laughs> and making them. And I, I love to use that as an example because everyone in covid he knew that there was a shortage of gym equipment. They could see benches being sold for $600 online. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knew that, but I think they just think, oh, that's for someone else. Like that's a problem for someone else. And it's like, well, right. I can't really weld. Like I can't weld well enough to put together something that, you know, someone's safety could be at risk. Sure. So <laughs> I didn't have anything that, and I didn't have really any money to start with. Like he invoiced me and I already had the money from the first orders by the time I got his invoice. So yeah. there was no upfront cost really, except for the bench pads. Um, and I like to use that as an example, because I didn't have the skills required to do that. And almost every business I've had, I haven't had the skills 
to um, conduct the service. So I have a financial company at the moment and I don't, I'm not a tax agent. I'm not a financial advisor at all. Um, and I have the, the biggest part of my coaching platform is nutrition coaching. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know how many grams of protein are in a chicken breast. Yep. Like you don't, you don't need to be an expert in the thing that you start a business at. You just have to be confident that you can run a good business, I think. Yeah, no, and that um, that's it is being able to seize onto the opportunity and be confident enough to jump into and take the risk that goes along with that as well. Um, one of the things that, that you are quite good at as well is, um, you know, you do a lot of content creation, you do a lot of things to, to kind of build your community that way. How important is that for you? Because you've even, um, um, you, you use that a lot of the time as well, to, I think, to drive some of your business, I'm sure. So how, um, how important is that for you to make sure you're consistently doing some of that content creation mm, yeah so it's it's dropped in importance a lot recently yeah. and it's mostly because of um the decline of growth in instagram yeah everyone i know who's from i say my era so maybe like they started instagram around the same time as i did and they've got you know over a few hundred thousand followers everyone i know's following is going down there's about yeah. two people i know who's going up and they're competing at a very high level in you know crossfit um yeah. and their still goes up because they have tv coverage everyone yeah. else i know it is going down so yeah. i think tiktok is the only way to grow a platform now yeah. so i've but i've also come to realize that like it's a flimsy marketing strategy for um i feel like when i was powerlifting my whole business model was people will want to be strong like me and they did but then all you have to do is step out of a taxi and twist your ankle and all of that is over. Like you can't compete anymore and, or, you know, you can't train anymore. You can't make content anymore. So I, I want to steer towards um, uh, sponsoring other athletes and spread my marketing across other people's platforms so that if, mm. you know, one person can't train anymore or can't lift anymore or whatever, I've got all my eggs are not in one basket. Right, right. Yeah. And, and there, there has been that trend a little bit about, um, I mean, that's how people use influencers and stuff, but it also is a way of being able to, um, um, to not spend all your time building content and instead you have other people building that for you. Right. So, um, yeah. And every girl I know who has a really successful, um, is a really successful influencer, especially in the fitness space. They all have an entrepreneurial boyfriend behind a camera, all of them. And I've never had that. It's just yeah. really hard to get. How do you get content on a five hour bike ride when you're by yeah. yourself yeah. or in the pool, in the pool for an hour 20 or even running? Like, how do you yeah. get content for that? It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're paying for that, you're basically dropping everything off on the other side that you're the whole intent behind what you're doing if you're having to pay for that all the time. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, um, what is, I mean, you've got lots going on in your life and, and you've, um, um, you talked about how even your training now is more than it used to be. So you've got businesses going on, you've got train your own training, plus you're training other people and things like that. How do you, um, how do you balance that as much as you can, or do you like, uh, how does, how does that work for you? Delegation. <laughs> yeah. Delegation. Yeah. I think that um, the more you delegate, obviously you, you spend money on outsourcing things or on hiring people to do things for you. But I've kind of discovered recently, I mean, I'm only 28, I'm not, you know, getting old, but um, I've discovered that I would rather earn less and do less. So I took sort of since COVID, I've, COVID, I've taken a pretty big pay cut. Um, but also long term, it means I have more time to kind of manage the projects that I am running and make them run better and I can run more projects. 
So, um, yeah, but this, I, I see this, this training that I'm doing as a huge luxury that I can only afford to do because I've given some of my work to other people. Right. Right. Um, and you know, when you like, are you a big goal setter when you like, if you're figuring out all these different projects that you have over the next lot, like, are you the kind of person who writes down, here's what I'm going to do, or is it just, does it, do you take it as it comes? How, how do you approach that? No, not really. Like I, in terms of like measurable goals, I just, I almost feel like, um, so let's say if I set a training goal, like I want to lift this much by this, this month, or I want to run this fast by this month or whatever. I feel like every day I'm confident that I'm doing everything that I can to get the best possible outcome. Like I'm nailing my nutrition to the best of my ability, maybe not at a hundred percent, maybe it's at 85%. Um, and I'm training at the intensity I should be in training, I should be training at, and I'm, you know, putting as much work into my businesses as I think that I should be. I know that I'm not being lazy. So whatever the outcome of those efforts, I'm satisfied with really, but also I change my mind so often and I'm like a new project can, or like the gym equipment that was like five hours between having the idea and it being my full-time job for the next few months. So things just change so quickly. There's almost no point in goal setting. Yeah. Well, and it it sounds like, yeah, if you have an opportunity, you're the kind of person who takes, takes opportunities as they come to where, you know, you have to be open to that. You have lots of um, either you outsource thing or do partnerships and, and stuff like that. How do you, um, how do you figure out who you want to partner with? Like, uh, you know, I, I talk to other people sometimes and that's the challenge they have sometimes is that, when, you know, is making sure they have the right partners, the right kind of people that they're connected with. Um, how do you approach that when you're deciding who do you work with and who do you align with and, and do content with and all that fun stuff? Yeah. So I, in business, I don't really partner with people at all. Yeah. Um, I'm looking to moving forward because it's a project that I do not want to dedicate a lot of time to. So I'm happy to take a loss there. Um, But I just don't think you should partner with anyone in business unless they bring something to the table that you absolutely do not have, cannot get and cannot pay for. So maybe if they've got a lot of expertise and they've been successful in that field before and you don't have that, maybe if they're uh, financing it, you know, if, 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 they're going to bring the capital then sure but um so far i've never had to and i if i do it will be a last resort and there'll be a strong process of vetting process i guess but um yeah i would be very nervous about it yeah i would avoid a business partnership where possible yeah like keeping the keeping the control can be uh can be great and it's also even just the uh yeah i mean often there's too many times where that doesn't go well so uh um you know, I, yeah. I think that's, that's probably a smart thing. Uh, like who, um, uh, who inspires you? Like, do you have, do you have people, whether it's in business or in fitness or anything like that, that, um, you know, I think, wow, I, I really respect what they do, or I feel like I would really like to be able to do what they do, or um, are there people out there for, that are that for you? Yeah, it's interesting because I spend so little time for someone who has a social media presence and spends yeah. a lot of time on my social media, I read all my DMs and I read a lot of my comments and that sort of thing, yeah. but I never just scroll. So I'm not really aware of what other people are doing, which might be a good thing, but yeah. um, basically anyone who has had e-commerce success, I'm really fascinated by, and I'll listen to their podcasts and um, yeah, there's a few Australian people, um, Greta Van Reel, um, and she had a couple of like, I want to say overnight successes that it sounds like it sort of takes something away from the person when you say that, but yeah, yeah, just some really clever marketing strategies that were a little bit time sensitive. So maybe can't be mimicked now. Um, 
yeah but I just I find it fascinating and it's it's what I hope to do so I've got a few e-commerce businesses in the works at the moment but she, yeah and and she yeah she has done some fantastic things and and does a lot now to teach others how to do at least how to approach those things so um yeah um, so very cool from that end too um so this this year as you're kind of um going through stuff do you have uh, you mentioned you have a couple of projects on the go and everything and also a few things from uh um you know uh, the perspective of, of athletics and things like that or any kind of major things that you have coming up over the next little while yeah so um athletically my short term my whole focus is on this iron man in december i'm yeah. putting it first until then i don't think this is a lifestyle i would like to sustain forever where training <laughs> comes first yeah. and every time i travel i have to cram in my cycling before i travel and whatever um yeah. but yeah that's definitely like a focal point for me at the moment but also i've got a soft suit company um launching in the next couple of months as well so powerlifting olympic lifting soft suits Wow. I can't believe that uh, no one has filled the gap in the market of aesthetic soft suits. I think yeah. they're all so <laughs> mundane and horrible. You know, there's a couple of brands that are okay. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited to, you know, bring some fun designs to um, the platform, so to speak. But yeah. um, And also I have a scrubs company coming out. So that'll be probably wow. my biggest my biggest company to date, um, but it's yeah. also been the slowest to get off the ground. So um, yeah. it's been super, super slow. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But that's, that's one where there, I mean, you have a, a market that's there, so it's not like a, you know, you, you already know there's a pretty defined market. So um, that's, that's, that's great. Um, you know, one of the things we ask everybody that comes on the show page is to, to take away a couple of actionable things. I'm sure there are, especially a lot of um, entrepreneurial women are probably writing down all the stuff you've talked about today. Cause um, I, I think you're pretty inspiring from that perspective. Um, if there's somebody out there and, and uh, it probably goes for any challenge, like whether it's athletic or starting a new business or anything like that. Um, if somebody is, is on the edge of that and thinking, okay, I want to kind of tackle this new challenge, but I just don't know, don't know where to start. Um, mm. Do you have kind of one or two tips on just, you know, what, what should they do to get themselves moving? Like if they want to just make sure they do it and do you have a couple of things to say, you know, okay, here's, this will push you forward. Yeah, for sure. I think, the only difference between people who have great ideas and do nothing about them and people who make hundreds of million dollars of great ideas is just action. And I think when someone comes to me for advice now, they say, hey, I've had this great business idea and I think the idea's got legs. I think it sounds great. And they say, I just don't really know where to begin. Do you have any advice for me? Now, before I give advice, I ask them, what have you done so far? And the answer is always nothing. I'm like, have you Googled how to develop a new lip balm? where to have a lip balm manufactured Australia. Like it's yeah. just start with the simplest of simple Googles. Like that's all you have to do. There was a time where I was Googling like how to get an, an Australian business number, how to register a business name. And like yep. there was a, t that's, that's how I started, you know, Googling those things, one thing at a time, how to make a website. I had to learn how to build, I built all my own websites and it was one step at a time. I would have to Google how to change the font you know every time I wanted to do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it, you just break everything down into one little google step but I think um if you have something that you want to do do something about it today like what can you do today in sit down for 20 minutes and just dedicate 20 minutes into doing something today because these fantastic ideas are useless in your head yeah 
Yeah, and, and that's that action piece is is what obviously your uh, is is a big skill set for you because um, you know a lot of people can have the ideas, but um, being able to action it and and you know you've given an example of just a few things that are happening over the next little while for you they all are driven by just kind of you know getting out and doing it so um, so that's mm-hmm. that's um, pretty amazing. Um, if people are, uh, I mean, people are probably going to want to follow you and follow what's happening with your different businesses and and also um, hopefully be able to see kind of a bit about how the uh, uh, Ironman training and eventually the Ironman goes. Um, what are some of the best ways of, of following what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm, I want to change my username. It's so embarrassing, but my <laughs> username on everything is Biker Biddy yeah. <laughs> because it used to be all Harley content when I was a teenager, Harley <laughs> Davidson content. Um, yep. So my Instagram, everything, YouTube, everything is Biker Biddy. Also, um, if you, every time I do a podcast, all the questions I get are about my back surgery. There's a whole video on that on YouTube as well. It's very dry, um, yeah. but if it's relevant to you, you might find it interesting. Sure. But yeah, follow me. I read my DMs. I read my comments. I would love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure that we put all that in the show notes too, so that people can check it all out. There's some really cool stuff there. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I find there's a lot of um, really interesting uh, content about kind of what you've done training, both in powerlifting when you were doing that as well, and, and as well as some of the, the cool new stuff that you're doing as well. So uh, everybody should check that out. Um, you know, again, thanks for taking the time. I know that, uh, you know, we uh, you really kind of um, push things to make sure that uh, you could be here today. So I really appreciate it, Paige. And I know everybody will have taken a lot of things away from uh, from today's conversation. So thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking with you. All right. And to everybody else, we will talk again on Big Idea, Big Moves. Thanks for listening to the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. Be sure to drop us a comment on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at bigidea underscore big moves. We love to hear your feedback. Till next time, remember, big change comes from small, consistent actions.